Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? You are listening to The Big Cruise Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 43 of the Big Cruise Podcast. Uh, my name is Baz, I'm your host, and uh, shortly we'll be joined by Chris Frame, who will be answering uh, your cruise uh, questions around uh, maritime history, cruise news, and uh, more. Um, we do have a list of questions in from Dominic, which we will answer towards the, the end of the show. That was around uh, Blue Star Line's uh, Titanic 2. Uh, so thank you for that question there, Dominic. And just a reminder, if you do have a question or you want to uh, talk about a cruise experience, uh, whether that's uh, more recently or from uh, yesteryear, you can get in touch with us via the website, thebigcruisepodcast.com. And on the top right-hand corner, join the show. And that's how you can send uh, the details through to us. Um, now, obviously, there's been a bit in the news this week, uh, particularly here in Australia, about uh, Facebook blocking certain news pages. Thankfully, we haven't been blocked, but just to uh, to ensure that you uh, can uh, see our posts and find out when the episodes go live, we do recommend that you sign up via the website. There's a little pop-up there. You can uh, pop in your details, and I promise you, the only thing we will send you is uh, the link to the latest episode as and when it launches. So if you're keen to make sure you do receive every episode, just jump on the website and register there and we will uh, do that for you. And uh, in the second half of the show, we're going to be joined by a special guest. We've got Cameron joining us from Celebrity Cruises uh, just to explain the recent changes around Celebrity, particularly in the the Always Included model that they recently came out with. And he's also going to touch on uh, some of the new deployment for Celebrity Eclipse, which was heading down to Australia and New Zealand in 2021-22, but also now in 22 and 23, which we talked about a couple of weeks ago on the, the podcast. But without further ado, let's jump into today's show. Enjoy. And our first guest every week is, of course, our good friend, maritime historian and author, Chris Frame. Welcome back to the podcast, mate. Thanks so much, Baz. Another big week for cruise news. Yeah, lots to talk about. But we're going to start off with maritime history. Sure. Um, and uh, I know we've touched on the fact that, you know, ships have been scrapped previously, and we've seen a number mm. of this through COVID. Yep. But it, 
isn't huge numbers, but we thought today we'd go back and talk about when was the last time that there was a big number of ships scrapped and for, for, for what reason that kind of happened. So all yours, over to you. Yeah, so there has been a few um, times in history where there's been, I guess, like these mass scrappings of passenger ships. And obviously we're seeing it now. It's, I think, something like 16 or 17 cruise ships of reasonable size have been either sold for scrap, flag for scrap, or already being scrapped at the moment, which is quite a large number when you put it like that. But I guess the first thing to do is to look at it as a percentage, and it's something like 94 or 95% of ships that were in service before COVID are still waiting to resume service. Mm-hmm. So it's not like the whole industry is gone. But yep. there are periods of time in the past where the whole industry almost did go. Um, and ship scrapping itself is a very ancient thing i mean obviously ships have been around since you know ancient times and um they're very different to the ships we have now of course but um then when they became obsolete or superseded they needed to be um you know recycled or broken up you can't keep them Mm -hmm. forever so it's something that's been going on for about as long as ships have existed um but if we look at more recent history there's two periods of time that i sort of um thought we could we could look at um, the first is the, the the more distant one. If you look back at a period of time in the 20th century, um, after World War One, there had been many ships that had been lost during World War One, but those that weren't lost were refurbished and put back into into passenger service, and they operated through yeah. the 1920s. Um, mm-hmm. But at the end of the 20s, of course, there was the uh, the stock market crash and the Great Depression started. Mm-hmm. And um, Baz, you'll you'll remember when we've talked about cruising history before that quite a lot of the cruise lines sent their big ocean liners cruising to try and make ends meet. Yeah. Um, and you know, it sounds like a weird thing. Like during a depression period, you'd send your ship cruising and people would pay to go on a holiday. But what they were doing is they were offering dirt cheap cruises just as a way to keep these ships operational. So you could actually. Yep. Um, you know, if you'd saved a little bit or you weren't in too bad a financial position, you can actually get a really reasonable holiday for a very, very low price. It included things like food and all that sort of stuff so that, you know, it was a little bit different from being at home where you had all those day-to-day worries during the Great Depression. Yep, yep. Um, and, but what happened was many of those liners weren't suitable for, for cruising. So some companies like P&O were quite successful with it because their ships were designed to do these voyages across the tropics um Mm -hmm. and so they were able to do cruises out of australia to the south pacific and australia again wasn't quite as badly impacted by the great depression as Mm -hmm. some other parts australia had its own problems in the 1920s financially but the depression wasn't um as bad here as in the us and in in europe so they were successful but other companies weren't and so you saw this big period of time through the in the in the 1930s when ships were being retired and this is when we start to see some of the big liners um, from the pre-war era go and in very quick succession we had a number of the the big ocean liners retired that included um, the titanic sister ship the olympic which Mm -hmm. was by that stage operating for cunard white star those two companies had had merged and um, olympic was no longer acquired so she was she was withdrawn as um as they tried to sort of streamline their fleet uh, so was Mauritania, the first Mauritania, which was um, up until 1929 the fastest ship in, in service. Um, the um, Leviathan, a big US um, Atlantic liner, she was retired in that period. And other ships were also, you know, from other fleets and other parts of the world were also retired. 
Um, and then when we skip forward again to the 1950s, post-World War II, um, ocean liner travels at its absolute peak, um, mm-hmm. and then the jet airplane comes in. And, you know, the, the 707 was the, 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 the real threat. There had been comets um, from um, de Havilland, uh, a British airplane before, but they, they had um, had some accidents and they weren't quite so uh, so successful as the 707, but the 707 just revolutionized everything. And yeah. people, the upper classes could start to afford to fly um, and safely as well and comfortably. Mm-hmm. So I think the thing is that the piston airplanes that were there before, like the Constellation and the Douglas DC-4, they were, they were perfectly capable of doing air services but they weren't as comfortable as the as the jets you had to do multiple stopovers and the jet airplane could just sort of um, start to reduce that so it became very popular and then in the 1960s you saw more jet aircraft come in the douglas dc-8 then boeing's 747 and that just changed everything globally and so (laughs) in this period baz passenger shipping as a way of being transported from place to place completely collapsed and yeah. it's not a an instant collapse like you know COVID switched off cruising overnight. Basically, mm-hmm. it's not like that. But it is a it was a, a a gradual decline that sped up over time as more and more airlines came in, as more and more people moved to airplanes, and then of course with you know the price going down, people stopped choosing ships because ships were cheaper at first, and um, and that just collapsed the industry. But Unlike COVID, where there is a, a visual visual way for um, cruise lines to survive COVID, mm-hmm. with the jet airplane, there was no sort of yeah. survival strategy for um, passenger shipping, as it was. But what was born out of that? I mean, the idea of it wasn't new, but the the, the boom in cruising started after the jet airplane yeah. because smart shipping lines and new entrepreneurs like Ted Arison, for example, who started Carnival, saw mm-hmm. the way to match a pleasure voyage with a cruise ship with airplane travel to get passengers to the cruise port. And all mm-hmm. of a sudden, cruising started up and it started to sort of grow through the 1970s and then the 1980s and 90s, there was a big boom in cruising. Um, so, you know, in the 1950s and 60s, at some point there was like, you know, you would see ship after ship after ship just being retired, shipping lines closing down, companies collapsing. Um, the ports were full of laid-up ships. I mean, some great photographs, mm-hmm. um, uh, historical photographs in, in archives and, and museums and that sort of thing where you see sort of rows of ships in Southampton. You've got the old Cunard uh, ships that used to do the, the voyages over to Canada all waiting to have a new life, and they were purchased and turned into cruise ships. And um, mm-hmm. the Queens were retired. P&O, of course, had to retire lots of its ships when jet airplanes became a threat to us on voyages to Australia and India and China and all that sort of thing. Um, and so, yeah, it was just this period of time where it was even more intense than it is now. But the, I guess the big difference was there was no one with an iPhone taking footage of the ships being rammed <laughs> up on the beach um, yeah. for Instagram because, of course, you know, back then you might get a photograph or two of them of going off to be to be scrapped, but it wasn't the sort of spectacle that it is today because it's um, – you know, visually, you can. I mean, the news channels send a drone over and get these sort of visual <laughs> images of these ships being cut up, and everyone thinks this is the first time this has ever happened. It's a crisis, and 
you know, there's no doubt, there's no doubting, of course, that cruising is in a crisis at the moment, but it's not unprecedented. It has happened before. Yeah. We have seen these massive um, resets, I suppose, in incidents, and the majority of cruise ships are still, the vast majority are still waiting for cruising to resume, whereas in the 1950s, when those liners left service, they never came back as liners. Some of them were saved as yeah. cruise ships, but they never, ever did line voyages again. Most of yep. them anyway. Yep. So No, that, that's brilliant. That really puts it uh, kind of into perspective. But I have got a question. Sure. And I think you might have answered this previously. Um, so obviously now we see ships um, recycled by taking them to places like Alang, uh, Turkey, yep. India, etc. Back in the day when this happened previously, those kind of um, scrapyards, for want of a better word, didn't really exist. I think you said previously they were taken back to their original shipbuilders and it was their responsibility to uh, to repurpose them. Is that right? Well, I mean, in the, the, say for the Depression era um, in, in Britain, uh, many of those uh, British liners were actually broken up in, in British shipbreakers. Now, it wasn't the same shipyard that built them, but they were oh, okay, kind of in right. areas nearby. So there, was, yep. there were shipbreakers in Scotland, for example, which is kind of near that industry area, and the ships would be broken up there. And, and in some cases, uh, I think, um, in fact, I think it was Olympic, the, the, the superstructure was removed in a, in a location in England, and then the hull was taken up to Scotland, and that was broken up there. Um, oh, so okay. it, was, it was quite different. But by the, by the 1950s and 60s, you were seeing some of that still happening in the UK and other you know, European uh, locations for, for, for ships there. But you were also starting to see uh, more and more ships going over overseas for, for ship breaking. And um, many of the um, uh, Orient Line ships, for example, were broken up in Taiwan. Um, okay. There was ship breakers in Pakistan and in India that sort of started. So that became a really big industry there. And I guess as shipbuilding, say for, for the UK, as shipbuilding started to move away from those UK yards and yep. become more prominent in places like Europe, so too did scrapyards started to move move away as well um, okay. to, to different locations. Yeah. So today, yeah, obviously, we, we're seeing the two big ones are uh, Alang in India and uh, um, in the sh- and the scrapyard in Turkey uh, mm-hmm. is where the cruise ships are, are going at the moment. And again, like the the Turkish scrapyards, I mean, they've been in operation for for decades, but Prior to uh, to COVID, I'd never really heard of cruise ships going there. I mean, I'm sure they had, but um, it wasn't something that was um, that was as as obvious, I suppose, because people weren't sharing so many photographs of it. It's just because we've got five or six lined up. It's quite a quite a yeah. remarkable sight, you know. So, I guess a picture of a merchant ship being uh, being recycled is different to a that six cruise ships parked next to each other. To yeah, be, exactly. And, and and the thing is, if you see the the, the um, the, the footage of the scrapyards with the cruise ships. I mean, in, in Turkey, for example, you've got, um, you know, Sovereign and Monarch. Sovereign's gone actually now, but you've got Monarch and Sovereign and Fantasy and Inspiration and Imagination. And then next to it, you've got a cargo ship and a container ship. And yeah. so it's just because of the, the, the photographs are so focused in on the cruise ships, they stand out. You know, they're white and they've still got their <laughs> colors and they're, some of them have even got their water slides still on them. Um, it just looks so bizarre. Uh, yep, but yep. there's hundreds of ships that are being scrapped around the world, you know, as, as they come to the end of their end of their usefulness. <laughs> now that all ties in nicely with your video, which we'll mention towards mm. the uh, the end of this segment. But uh, we're going to go to more positive news. Uh, Princess here in Australia, um, with a bit of a fanfare yesterday, launched their 2022-23 Australia New Zealand summer season, mm. and uh, we're going to see um, about 25% of the Princess uh, deployment based down here in Australia, which is incredible. Mm. And we're going to see 
Coral, Grand, Royal and Majestic down here. So what are they going to be doing? Well, yeah, as you said, four ships here, um, Australia, New Zealand specific itineraries, which is going to be quite quite cool. And these four ships are all from the medallion. They've got the medallion set up on board, yep. which is that contactless um, medallion, I suppose, that you wear yep. and it helps you around the ship. Um, and th- so there's two ships there from um, the Royal class as well, which is um, you know, one of the, the nicest princess classes, I suppose. And then Grand Princess, mm-hmm. of course, which is one of the original Grand class ships. Um, so Coral's going to be based out of Brisbane. Um, Majestic and Royal Princess are going to be based out of Sydney. And Grand is actually going to start her voyages out of Melbourne. Um, but they're also going to do be offering um, round Australia trips. So you can go into circumnavigation or parts of the Australian continent from um, the East Coast ports as well as departures from Fremantle. Um, and then they're also going to be doing round New Zealand voyages, which I think also sounds really cool um, to sort of take in the sights of, of New Zealand as well. So lots of options there in our part of the world. Yeah, uh, so particularly for Fremantle here, we're going to see Coral Princess on a, a few uh, a few voyages. Mm. Um, and interestingly, Coral, while she takes a similar number of passengers of sea um, and Sun Princess, which we're obviously much loved mm. down here, um, she's actually much bigger tonnage. So mm. the actual uh, feel on board is going to be a lot more spacious, which is going to be great for the, the diehard Princess fans. And uh, for those that are interested, these go on sale on the 2nd of March if you are a, a Princess Pass passenger um on the third uh for for non-elite guests um so exciting times and i think we're going to see a bit of a flurry of an activity mm-hmm. given that the you know these departures are 22 and 23 um moving over to the uk some more good news and news close to your heart pno uk have announced the name of their newest ship yeah so the ship that's uh, currently under under construction and due out in the end of next year should be called avia which is a, a, as far as I can tell, it's a new name for P and O. I don't think it um, it doesn't have a, a history. It's not a historic name, I, I don't think. And it um, yep. it if you look it up, the uh, the name is has a Latin origins and it means um, from the seashore. So I suppose oh. it's kind of bringing in a um, you know connection between the ship and the locations that she's that she's visiting. Um, mm-hmm. It'll be very similar to Iona in terms of its exterior appearance. It's one of the LNG. Yep. powered uh, Carnival Corporation designs, um, but uh, of course have its own unique interior and uh, and and feeling on board. So, yeah, a lot of people that I know who are um, based in the UK were quite excited yesterday with the um, with the announcement there, Baz, and a lot of people chatting on Instagram and um, and on YouTube uh, as well. Uh, about the new name and congratulating PO for for pushing through with this uh, during these difficult times so it's good to see that the the new build is still underway exactly and uh, you know as we mentioned before a lot of new builds are still underway and there's a, a plethora of ships that will come out at uh, 2021 and 22 and of course beyond mm. uh, one of those cruise lines that has got a number of ships on the way is Swan Hellenic we've mm-hmm. spoken about them over the past couple of weeks um, but they've had a, a statement this week uh, surrounding covid yeah, so it's a reborn brand. I think if anyone hasn't already heard us talking about it, it used to exist and then um, has now been sort of, you know, rebooted, I guess, um, with a new team. And uh, they've now advised that all of their crew will be um, be required and be given um, COVID vaccinations um, as part of the recruitment process. So when you're traveling with Swan Hellenic, you'll know that the crew have all um, been vaccinated for coronavirus. 
Yeah, and in similar news, um, overnight, uh, Crystal have also mm. announced that uh, all passengers must have been vaccinated and have proof that they have been so. Um, but at this stage, they're not um, asking all crew because of uh, the the ability to be able to vaccinate their crew given that they come from all parts of the world and they may not be in the priority system depending on where they they originate from so passengers yes for crystal but crew not just yet and it's um that's sort of a well the passenger vaccinations is a a sort of uh something that's being looked at by a number of lines because i know that um there was saga as well i think started started it with uh, the requirement and i think a lot of that had to do with the the sort of target age of their customers um, just mm-hmm. to make sure that people stay nice and safe on board. But, you know, it wouldn't surprise me, Baz, if, if more lines um, do do that, given that we've seen this trend started now and also with the airlines as well. So I guess we'll wait and see. Yeah, I think um, overhearing conversations with the travelling public here in Australia, I think Australians would be okay. They, they, they seem to think that, you know, if it's a requirement to travel, they're happy to do it. It's their choice to do it. Mm. But I think other countries in the world may be a little bit more re- reluctant or resistant to, to doing that. So it's uh, it's interesting to see how it will all kind of uh, pan out over the yeah. next couple of months. Yep. Now, briefly back to the UK, um, we should have talked about this uh, with P&O really, but uh, the Port of Southampton, which is very close to your heart, of course, mm. has uh, undergone some upgrades over this uh, this quieter period. Yeah, well, I mean, Southampton is the, the, the leading cruise port in the UK. It was, uh, before that, the leading um, gateway to, to Britain. It was the, uh, from the 1920s onwards, it was the sort of home of um, transatlantic liners and um, and also even... Those, those ships doing line voyages around the world to, to Australia and and, um, and the Mediterranean and India with P&O. They used to make calls in Southampton as well. Um, these days it has uh, four uh, dedicated cruise terminals and they're busy working on their fifth. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and this is, you know, the, the Port of Southampton is, has got this enormous straight pier that was built from reclaimed land that allowed it to become this sort of hub for shipping. And uh, the new terminal, they're actually sort of reinforcing um, some of that um, port side infrastructure, which will allow for shore side power. And it will also accommodate um, the roll on, roll off uh, ships. Yeah, the ferries, so of course. Yeah, ferries. Yeah. So it will have a, a multi, sort of multi use there in, in Southampton as, as Southampton, I guess, starts to, um, to see ships, cruise ships come back, but also supports that uh, ferry services across to Europe. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, actually, I've got a listener question that popped in. I haven't sent it through to you, mm. but it is around Southampton, so we'll answer that one in next oh, week's show. Sounds um, exciting. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll tell you about it uh, via email, and you can do a bit of research before next week's show. Um, staying in the kind of Europe area, we've uh, spoke a lot about MSC mm-hmm. uh, continuing their, their cruise operations. Aida is another brand. It's uh, the German Carnival brand, of course. They mm. ha- did do some cruising previously. Um, but they are, uh, they're going to restart again on the 20th of March. Yes. So, I mean, AIDA at the moment um, has had to – they originally were going to start a little bit earlier. I think they've had to cancel their um, German voyages because Germany's in a, in a, um, in a lockdown situation at the moment. Um, so they did say voyages from up, up until the, this 20th uh, date have been, um, have been cancelled. But AIDA Perla is going to do a series of cruises um, around the Canary Islands and they've actually put that together as a fly cruise combination for German German travellers. Um, oh, so wow. something a bit different, actually. Um, and Aida Pearl is one of their one of their newer, bigger ships. Uh, and you know they've got all the COVID safe um, regulations that they've put on board as well. 
Um, so it will be really interesting to see how um, things are received there with AIDA traveling um, to a slightly different location. Yeah, of course, the Canary Islands get the, the better of the weather in mm. the, the northern winter, so that would be very appealing to uh, to the German and the European market in general. Mm. Um, Seabourne, we've uh, talked a lot about uh, new deployments and new itineraries and, in fact, a lot about world cruises selling out in record time. Mm-hmm. But Seabourne came out with their 23 world cruise this week. Yeah, I know, 2023, eh? But um, they're starting <laughs> to sell, you know, because people don't have any, anything else to, to do this the, so far until this year. So um, lots of people wanting to book cruises into the future. Uh, two two ships there doing um, variants of the world's cruise. You've got Sojourn, who's doing a 140-day, um, more traditional, I suppose, world cruise, and she's taking in places such as multiple ports in South Africa, coming up to our part of the world, doing, you know, cruises up in Papua New Guinea and that sort of thing. Um, but Quest, I think, is the one that really stood out for me. It's slightly shorter, 79 days, but she's doing um, voyages from, well, a voyage that goes from the United States, well, from America down to the Amazon mm-hmm. um, and then takes in Antarctica. So, wow. <laughs> um, and Seaborn Quest, I mean, they're, they're all beautiful ships at Seaborn. And um, um, uh, I've been fortunate enough to, to have a look around on board Sojourn, but Quest is very similar and she's got a, mm-hmm. um, a nice. Um, uh, nice interior there, so it'll be a lovely way for people to um, to travel on board um, and see Antarctica. Yeah, no, exactly. And to do Antarctica and be able to cruise from Miami would be very, very appealing to the North American market, of course. Um, next up, we've got uh, some news from Carnival, who, um, you know, I guess the cruise ship shops generally have some good gifts for you to be able to buy, but Carnival's taken this one extra level. What are they up to? They've got their own version of Monopoly, <laughs> which is um, which is really cool, I suppose. Um, you know, it's interesting because if you look at the, the details, you can, you can um, see it on, 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 their, um, on their shop. And they've got um, a big picture of Mardi Gras on the box, which is their new, newest ship, which has got the sort of new version of the Carnival livery with a big blue bow mm-hmm. on the front, which is pretty cool. Um, and so, you know, the Monopoly board, and it's usually got street locations and stuff, but this one here has uh, there's 32 spaces, which are staterooms. And then there's 12 spaces, which are suites, which I suppose cost more to buy. <laughs> um, and then instead of um, chance cards, it's community, um, it's cruise director cards. Um, okay. And instead of community chest, it's funnel chest. So it's <laughs> um, so a little bit of a play around there. And, and, and the rest of it, I suppose, just the same rules as normal Monopoly. But you get to um, to do it with that sort of carnival take to it. Excellent. If you've got a, a, a cruise lover in your family, no harm in uh, shouting them an early birthday or Christmas present, mm. I guess. And of course, that's available on the Fun Shops, which is via the, the Carnival website. Uh, Chris, we've got a listener question. I'm just going to take a little break and then we'll be back to answer a great question from Dominic. Cool. Did I mention there's a little way you can help keep this uh, podcast on air? That's right, just for the cost of a coffee, uh, so about four Aussie dollars, about two pounds something, about two euros something, um, you can make a donation and that helps uh, keep the lights on and keep the, the podcast uh, producing in, the, in this weekly format. Um, or you can join up as a member and make a, a monthly uh, subscription and in return receive some incredible um, bonus material as well. Um, all the details are on the show notes of each and individual podcast or you can head to uh, the website buymeacoffee forward slash the big cruise pod. And uh, we look forward to uh, shouting you out if you are able to uh, to make a little donation. Thanks in advance. 
just touched on uh, Dominic wrote in via the website and just a reminder if you do have a question um, you can get in touch with us via the website the big cruise podcast sorry the big cruise podcast.com <laughs> up in the top right hand corner join the show and uh, that's where you can send your question to us and that's exactly how Dominic sent this next question through uh, do you guys have any information on Clive Palmer's Blue Star Line Titanic 2 this podcast I started listening to a few weeks ago absolutely hooked want to go on a cruise at some point and the history with Chris is a huge highlight for the podcast for me oh, hey, good shout out to Chris <laughs> it's my favourite part too <laughs> <laughs> oh, so uh, very kind. I did a bit of research on this because obviously it was talked about some time ago but things have gone a little bit quiet in, mm. in the, the, the Blue Star Lines uh, media profile mm-hmm. were you able to find out any information uh, well I mean I, I can give you some information about what they, what they were pl- planning to do but in terms of when it's actually going to be due as you say um, Baz I, I can't find anything um, that suggests that it's under construction just yet. But um, a- again, um, the, the website ha- doesn't seem to have been updated for a while. Um, but she's going to be a well, – the, the, the proposal was for a ship that would be a, a replica to the original Titanic, but you put a little asterisk next to replica because it's not an exact replica. So it'll have very similar um, appearance to the original Titanic, but will be modified in various ways. So the ship itself will be around about 10,000 tons larger than the original Titanic, making it about mm-hmm. 56,000 tons, which if you've been paying attention to the podcast, you'll know is a small ship by today's standards, um, not by any means the title holding world's largest ship that Titanic had at the time of her introduction into service. And re- one of the reasons why she's going to be bigger is because she's going to have an extra deck um, this extra deck will what was proposed to be the safety deck, which will hold um, the ship's lifeboats and other life-saving equipment. Because, of course, Titanic had, um, the original Titanic had uh, wooden um, mm-hmm. rowboat lifeboats uh, on the top deck of the ship. And um, now, of course, uh, um, you know, you, you need to have, enough lifeboats for everybody on board which the original one didn't um so they'll have that that built into the safety deck uh, other things that, that i noticed um, um in some of the promotional materials uh, that were quite interesting is um you know modern day cruise ships you often notice on the top deck is pretty pretty cluttered with big um sort of sort of white bobbly kind of things that are actually the the ray domes that they yeah, use yeah, for yeah. satellite communications and on the artist renderings of the titanic too they're not there, but what they actually have proposed to do is, is hide them inside the funnels because the ship won't oh. need four funnels. Um, she's yeah. actually going to be powered, proposed to be powered by diesel, so she'll only need the one ventilation funnel, and of course the other ones can be used to house all the equipment, so it keeps the top deck looking authentic. Um, oh. Other changes is instead of the um, three propellers that the original Titanic had, this one would be driven by pods, which is quite standard on cruise ships these days. Um, instead of using rivets to put the hull together, it will be welded, um, those sorts of things. Um, but, you know, in terms of a actual date that she'll come into service, um, I, I really couldn't tell you. Um, and also, you know, just in terms of the, the ship itself, um, one of the things I, I talk, I do a, a lecture that's about um, the evolution of the passenger ship. And one of the things that I uh, point oh, yeah. out is that if the Titanic itself, as you know, remembered as the world's largest ship, but of course, only for its time, if it was put next to the Oasis of the Seas or the QM2 yeah. or something, 
and you were standing on the other side, you wouldn't even see it. Like it, not even the, the funnels wouldn't even stick yeah. up over the top, you know? Um, yeah, so yeah. this ship, I think it would have the, the, the interest value because it looks like the Titanic, but it definitely wouldn't be like a, um, a wowing you for its size yeah, yeah. kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know what's also interesting in, in, in all of this, there's actually another Titanic replica being built. Um, and it's actually mm. being built in China. Um, and it is part of a, of a big um, sort of theme park, but they're building a, a, a true to sort of true to size replica of the ship that will be um, housed permanently uh, floating. I think it is permanently in, in a river uh, near this uh, as part of this theme park. So, there are oh, two wow. Titanic replicas in the works at the moment, but um, you know, I guess time will tell as to whether, when, and when, whether and when we see Titanic two um, set sail. Yeah, Don. Uh, we did also put in a question to the the office of Blue Star Line. They haven't replied as of yet. So if if they do come back to us over the next week or so, we'll be happy to to revisit it for you. But at this stage. We have no idea that we, we can't find any shipyard that claims to be building it. And uh, as you say, there was nothing on the website for at least a, a year or so. So uh, it's all gone a bit quiet. Now, Chris, you uh, put up a great yep. video every week. We've kind of hinted earlier in the show what uh, this week's topic was. Just remind us for the purpose of the listeners. Yeah, so it's uh, back to our history conversation. And it's looking into the 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 periods of time when mass ship scrapping happened in a little bit more detail. Um, and also, mm-hmm. I guess, making the, the connection between what happened in the 1930s and 1950s and then how the, the industry sort of um, adapted and changed and then kind of looking at what, what, what's happening now with the, with the 17 or so ships that have been scrapped at the moment. Brilliant. Well, of course, your link to YouTube is always in the show notes, and we will post the uh, the particular video on the, the Big Chris podcast socials as well for people uh, to be easily able to find that. Chris, it's always a pleasure. Um, I'm sure we will be speaking again very, very soon because these Fridays, we said it before, they come down very, very quickly. Thanks again, mate. Thanks so much, Baz. And next up on today's podcast, uh, we have to admit, we tried to get Captain Kate. She wasn't available, busy in the Bahamas, afraid. So we've gone for our good friend, Captain Cam. How are you doing? I'm fantastic, Baz. Yes, unfortunately, Captain Kate was not available, um, but I'll try my best to stand in. And I don't have a cat unlike her, so I'll, I'll do my best. <laughs> All good. Now, just for the benefit of the listeners, um, I, I think your title's Director of Sales at Celebrity Cruises, yeah, Australia, New Zealand. That works well. That's right. So I'm very proud to represent and work for our fabulous brand, Celebrity Cruises. Awesome. Now, there's been a few changes over the last kind of month or so with Celebrity, and I thought we'd get you on just to kind of update the listeners um, if they, I mean, we've covered it in our cruise news, but it's always good to get the yeah, kind of absolutely. behind the the theme. Um, I think the first thing to talk about is you've gone always included. So what exactly does that mean? Look, um, Baz, we spent a lot of time last year looking at our brand, who we want to be, talking to our guests, talking to our travel partners and consumers. And basically what it drove us to is to introduce this new concept of always included. So we've always had promotions, you know, you Mm -hmm. get a beverage included here, you get onboard credit here, but they always change and chop and change. So you're never quite sure what you're going to get from week to week. Yep. So what we've now introduced is a much more consistent, always on value proposition for our guests. And very simply, whenever you book a celebrity cruise, you will always get a beverage package, you will always get Wi-Fi, and you will always get service charges included. 
Good news. Yeah. So the idea is there's no nasty surprises. There's even a couple of extra tiers you can go to. So if you're, for example, in our retreat, which is our new fabulous suite class experience, Mm -hmm. you also get a premium package upgrade, you get onboard credits, you get some spending money and some Shorex spending as well. So there's three different tiers, but it's really about what value do you want in your cruise? And if you don't want to spend any money on board, it's fine because you've got it always included. So the base fare is always included. Then we go to Elevate and we go to Indulge. Spot on, yes. So Elevate, you get a few differences. You get some onboard credits, some spending money. You pay a small upcharge to get to that. And then the Indulge is the ultimate of everything that you could ever want in a cruise experience. So three different levels, but always included is the base level for all of our guests. (laughs) Now, one question that comes up time and time again on the podcast is, beverage packages what's included what's not included so i just thought i found this beautiful pdf on the celebrity website actually that explains what's included in the classic beverage package and what's included on the the premium and to put it simply if you're a gin drinker it's gordon's or beef eater in the 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 classic yes it's tanqueray hendrix port plymouth if you're in the the the, so it's just that higher end of spirits spot on yeah if you go up to the top tier that premium package you do get higher end spirits the great thing about our beverage packages is that they are so inclusive so it's your non-alcoholics it's your cappuccinos it's your chais it's your lattes your bottled water, your soft drinks, but it's also got wines, cocktails and spirits, even in a classic package included. So even if Mm -hmm. you're not a big drinker, you've got all that non-alcoholic stuff, including bottled water as well. Yep, makes sense. I like it. So you don't even have to think about it, Baz. You just order your drink and enjoy yourself. (laughs) Perfect. Now, there's also been some news out lately. You've just announced the Australia, New Zealand and South Pacific deployment for Celebrity Eclipse That's 2223. Right. That's right. So we're really, really excited that Celebrity Eclipse will come back to Australia and New Zealand 2223. Now, for those listeners who aren't familiar with her, she's actually a sister to Celebrity Solstice, which, of course, was mm-hmm. a much-loved ship in our region for many, many years. She's a slightly younger ship, slightly younger than her sister, but mm-hmm. if you step on Eclipse, you'll feel very much at home. Um, and we've got variety of itineraries um, ranging through September 22 to April 23 from about five to 18 nights. So we're really excited to have Eclipse back down under for Australian and Kiwi guests. Um, And you know what, we have a lot of international guests, Americans, people from the UK fly down to Australia, New Zealand to experience celebrity as well. Yeah, the Solstice class is a beautiful class of ship. If you had to pick one space on board, what would be your go-to? Martini bar. Hands down. <laughs> I love a good martini, Baz. Um, so that's that's kind of me as the hub of the ship. There's so much excitement and energy there, um, and particularly on our little five-star getaway. So what we've kind of done is we've themed our itineraries into three different themes. So the first one is your five-star getaways, which is all about a shorter getaway, maybe two, three, four, five nights, where you can yep. really indulge in the fantastic experience on board. Um And then I think one of my favourite itineraries is uh, Food and Wine Classic. And it's a nine-night itinerary, Melbourne, Hobart, and overnight in Adelaide. And it really gives you the chance. Yeah, overnight, more overnights. Gives you the chance to get out to the wineries, experience the fantastic culinary offerings of these destinations. So can't wait for that. And then finally, we've got our sun and beach escapes. And this is for those people that love the warm tropical weather, maybe up to the Queensland coast or out, of course, to the South Pacific Islands. Um, and that's where you really indulge in the beautiful warm weather. Maybe enjoy a cocktail out on the lawn club on the top deck of Celebrity Eclipse. Oh, you mentioned my favourite place. And ah, <laughs> if people like are not club. familiar with, with Solstice, 
uh, the, it's got the only lawn at sea, of course, uh, on the Solstice class. And I honestly thought it was going to be a bit of a gimmick and just a, you know, a tiny little corner mm. of the top deck. But it's actually a pretty expensive lawn. Like, it's, it's a good space. It's huge. It's half an acre. Um, and there's a beautiful sunset bar up there. We've got a big outdoor movie screen as well where we show concerts yep. and shows. And there's these fantastic cabanas that are available as well. So you can sit there and just watch the world go by right from the very top of the ship. <laughs> now I did notice um, that the new deployment for for, for, for sorry for Eclipse um, traditionally you do open jaw so you go Sydney to Auckland or Auckland to Sydney quite a lot but on yes. this new deployment there's a lot of Sydney round trips which is great for the Aussies Correct. Uh, only yeah. one flight or just drive down if you're happy to be in New South Wales spot on and that's what our guests Australian guests were saying as well they generally prefer those return itineraries so we still have some open jaws and one itinerary which is perfect for our friends across the ditch in New Zealand is the Auckland return um, and that goes up to Samoa, um, Tonga Ooh, and nice. Fiji. It's a beautiful itinerary and we're excited because we've actually moved that to the January school holidays so our Kiwi guests can enjoy that as a family holiday on Eclipse up to those gorgeous islands and that's an Auckland return itinerary. Oh brilliant, great news. Yeah, um, just for the benefit of the listeners we will put uh, links to the itineraries in the show notes so you can uh, very easily find those, that's uh, very not a problem. Now, I did have a little sneaky peek to see where Eclipse is. I noticed she's in Singapore. She she's is. having a little bit of work done? She's having a little bit of work. Look Barry, we all like to have a bit of work done from time to time. <laughs> um, but she's having a bit of a nip and a tuck and you might have seen, uh, particularly with the new Edge series, we've got this beautiful celebrity blue hull. Um, mm -hmm. And so what we're actually doing is rolling that out across the fleet. So she's now going to have a very elegant, classy blue hull. So we've changed from white to blue. Um, and she's having a bit of a checkup, just like you might take your car into the, to get a yep. service. So we've got to do that regularly for the ships just to keep them in good shape. Fair enough. Now, I've got a couple of quick questions for you. Sure. Uh, just, um, just whatever comes uh, into your head first. Sure. Sunrise or sunset? Sunset. Hands down. Med or the Caribbean? Med. Raw on five or fine cut steakhouse? Oh, fine cut steakhouse. Or both, but <laughs> fine cut steakhouse. <laughs> <laughs> I think you might have already answered this one, but if you were boarding Eclipse tomorrow in Sydney, where would you go to first? Well, I'd probably go and get a martini at the martini bar, then I'd head up to the cabanas on the lawn club, definitely. Okay. Ready That's for a nice one. sail away. <laughs> <laughs> and if it's my shout and we're at the martini bar, what would you be your go-to? Oh, espresso martini. Oh, Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I like espresso. I also like a French martini, which has got the board in it. So, um, And interestingly, if you're, if you're a bit of a health fiend on our end series, we have a kale martini. Can you believe it or not? Oh. Yes. I haven't I'm tried not sure it, about that. But I, I've heard that if you drink a couple of them, you instantly lose a few kilos because it's very healthy, of course. Okay, let, let's book ourselves on edge straight away then. Let's Sounds great. Let's do it. <laughs> and if you could cruise anywhere tomorrow, if COVID was done and dusted and we were free again, where would you cruise to and with whom and why? I would go to the Greek islands. Um, I absolutely love the Greek islands. I actually did that a couple of years ago. And we've my other half, our family, is in, based in the UK. So we okay. would actually meet all our family, probably in Rome, jump on edge or apex and do a nice eight to ten night cruise around the Greek islands in Italy. And I would not hesitate to jump on a plane if that was available. <laughs> <laughs> awesome news. And of course, Celebrity uh, was born really in the, the Greek Isles. It's it pretty was. much your home. Yeah, a Greek heritage there. Um, so she was previously a Greek cruise line and that's where you've got the, the fabulous X symbol, um, formerly mm -hmm. Chandra's Cruise Line. So that is our heritage and you'll find a lot of our captains on board are also Greek. 
Some of the news that I, I didn't mention, um, I also noticed that you're back to the Mexican Riviera for the first time in yes, a while. Yes, that's really exciting. We haven't done that for many years. Um, it's on the revolutionized Celebrity Millennium. So Millennium's okay. had a major redo. Um, she very much looks like our new Edge series, Edge and Apex. Uh, and she's departing LA down to the Riviera and fantastic once we can fly once we can travel again it's just a quick flight up to la and then you can go and enjoy the sensational sights of the riviera <laughs> excellent and if uh, just to, to finish up have you got a quick message to your past and loyal celebrity guests oh, absolutely look baz we cannot wait to get back to sea and we cannot wait for all our loyal and past guests to come back on board we know that you're all dying to come back on board we miss you crew certainly miss you and Bring on the day when we can step on board one of our beautiful celebrity ships again. <laughs> I think Captain Kate did say when we were talking that she'll be at the gangway with the pots and pans. Yes. So I expect to see you in Sydney with the pots and pans bagging. I will be there passing out maybe a glass of vino. There'll be tears. <laughs> there'll be screaming. It's going to be an amazing, incredible day when that comes. And it will come. Yes, it will. It will. There is definitely light at the end of that tunnel. Absolutely. Um, Cab, always a pleasure to speak with you, mate. Thanks for joining the podcast, and you are welcome back anytime you've got some great news. Absolutely a pleasure. Thanks so much, Baz. That's all for today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your favourite podcasts. Until next time, bon voyage. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.